Let us now welcome to our program our guest for the hour. That's the Honourable London High Commissioner to South Africa, the Honourable Vincent Kareka. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening. We are grateful that perhaps um, we must say this from the outset that we are talking to somebody who knows what we're going through, who has observed and lived through a time which we are now, I mean, I'm afraid that we might be finding ourselves in the grips of the very same thing, a divided nation, a nation divided amongst itself. From the very beginning, what lessons can you say we need to be wary of and learn from that you have learned about your own situation in Rwanda that you could advise South Africa and South Africans to guard against the division that we seem to be widening amongst ourselves? Uh, we norm- we are very shy normally to sound giving lessons, but uh, what one can say is that uh, in modern times, Rwanda has gone through the worst uh, any other nation has gone through in terms of uh, history, where people of the same nation had uh, to butcher the others following um, a long period of uh, cyclic violence since 59 uh, most Rwandans could not live in Rwanda since the um, the times of independence they were divided by the colonial powers for uh, the sake of ruling them and uh, 94 was the culmination of that crisis and the whole world thought by then that it was going to be impossible for Rwanda to be a state again, a nation again, uh, it was considered by many to be uh, a most prominent failed state in the continent and uh, on earth. But uh, fortunately, due to a great leadership led by RPF, uh, that is President Kagame. Yeah a broad program of uh, unity and reconciliation accompanied by uh, an all-inclusive socio-economic transformation has uh, made Rwanda reunited, reconciled, and uh, fast-growing as an economy and uh, making Rwandans proud again because historically we were very proud united until when we got divided so what i can say in one word is uh, whatever happens in any country once there is willingness and the leadership is uh, highly committed to the values of um, unity and integration is always room for uh, greater improvement and even a radical change in the positive way. Okay, all right. Um, I, I don't want us to stay there, but I'm grateful that you shared with us uh, that. I want us to start from the very beginning. When we're speaking about Rwanda, um, um, how old is the state of Rwanda? How old is Rwanda? Rwanda as a nation is uh, old uh, of centuries. But uh, as an independent state, we got independent in '62. But in the context of uh, serious divisionism, um, many Rwandans did not grow or were not born 
in Rwanda because they had to flee the country during the struggle for independence through which the colonial powers before giving independence made sure that they've created chaos, ethnic chaos, for people who are used to consider themselves as one nation. They were divided. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now we talk of a uh, new Rwanda from uh, after 94 genocide, which was uh, the, the, the peak of the crisis. Mm. So we talk of a uh, 25 years uh, old nation, uh, if we may see it that way. Okay, all right. Uh, as a sub-equatorial country, you find yourselves close to the equator, though, and uh, I don't know if, if, if this is a blessing, but I've always grown up to understand that countries close to the equator have got almost all the agricultural advantage. Does it apply to you? We do have, uh, we are a very small country and hilly, but uh, we are thankful to God that... Uh, it is not a dry country. Mm-hmm. We are a green and fertile country. Yeah. And uh, traditionally, we are a very hardworking and uh, uh, serious farmers kind of society. So we uh, we have made a lot of progress as well in uh, modernizing our agriculture from subsistence to an agriculture that feeds the nation and uh, of recent even exporting some of the core foods to neighboring countries and uh, uh, even uh, abroad in, in Europe and some gingers and coffee into South Africa and yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Republic of Rwanda and I do understand when you say it began in the 60s. Fair enough. However, I'm, I'm curious, before it gained its independence in 1962, was it the 1st of July, 1962? Um, when can you say that Rwanda became a recognizable force in global history long long even long before colonialist influence very long, long, before long. we count we we talk of uh many centuries uh it was a strong solid kingdom we are among the few nations that resisted seriously uh this uh, the slave export so no one then could be taken even uh, the colonial powers, for them to implement in Rwanda, they had to use guns because uh, those days we were using uh, uh, spears and um, traditional weapons. So we we were dumped by force. We were not um, um, that easy to uh, to be colonized. Yeah, it was an imposed colonization. And for the fear that we could any time react, that's when the colonial used a strategic uh, way of uh, uh, dividing the nation, undermining the uh, kingdom, the culture, the values, and uh, all the societal beliefs. And so when we became like disorganized and they implemented the, the, their power and uh, ran um, DRC Rwanda and uh, Burundi as uh, almost um, a one um, entity under Belgium colony. 
Young, young. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. When we come back, I want us to talk about the three major groupings that are found there. Um, if I am not mistaken, uh, we have one here, the Twa people, uh, which are supposed to be, or at least who are alleged to be the ancestors and the four leaf forerunners of any of the groups there. And then the uh, ones that are famous, the, the Hutus and the Tutsis. When we come back, I'd like to get a sense from you as to as far as your the authority and the history that is recognized in Rwanda, who exactly do you recognize? You also recognize the uh, the, the Trois, just like here in South Africa, we recognize uh, the Abatwa here in South Africa. I'd like to hear you from... You call that Abatwa as well? Yes, we have Abatwa. <laughs> we also have Abatwa. That's right, that's right. Abatutsi. Yes, Abahutu. yes. Indeed, indeed. When when we come back from the break, I want us, I want us to engage on that when we come back from the break. Sure. Because... Um, in in our history, in particular my personal history, we hail, uh, or at the very least, those who wrote history pick up our history from saying we came from the Great Lakes region and Rwanda is one of the countries that is in that region of the Great Lakes. But when we come back, it's 20 after 10. SAFM, let's talk. We are in conversation with our guest for the hour, the Rwandan High Commissioner to South Africa, the Honorable Vincent Kariga. He has honored us with his time and insights to talk us through what we now know to be the Republic of Rwanda. And so we'll invite you as well. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you're welcome to do so. Send, I see people are already sending voice notes and texts. If we make time, we'll read those. And please listen to that voice note. See what we're talking about. 0891-104-207. 0891-104-207. If you prefer to send a text on our show to a two-hour sort message service, send it to 41391-41391. And for WhatsApp, you can send your WhatsApp voice notes or texts as brief as you can keep them, please, to 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107. Before we went to the break, we were talking about and planned on talking about the people that now reside and are known to be the inhabitants of this land, the Republic of Rwanda. And we know the famous ones that were publicized during the genocide of the Hutus and the Tutsis. But we know that, um, at least as history students, we know that they are forerunners or the people that are said to be the first people in Rwanda are the, the Twa people, Abatwa, just like we have Abatwa in South Africa, who also have that claim to be the first people here. So I want to find out in that region and that Great Lakes region where Rwanda is based, um, who do they believe, as uh, the, the, the Honorable Karega can tell us, who do they believe to be the original people there? Because some parts of history suggest that they came. The, the Hutus and Tutsis came and found the Abatwa there. Uh, 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 Commissioner Karega, as far as your history, the recognized history in Rwanda, who are the first people there? And, and, and c- can you verify the existence of the, the Abatwa first there? Or perhaps you have a, a, a different handle on history? Uh, according to um, colonial or description of our history, okay. And that's where the divisionism and separation starts. They say the indigenous people uh, with the Abatwa yeah. were ca- characterized by living in forests and associated to the uh, Central African pygmies. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they say the later on uh, came the Bantu people called yeah. Abahutu. Yes. 
And uh, uh, finally, they say uh, when came the Tutsis, that they uh, assume or suppose came from Abyssinia. So, the but uh, from yeah. our own way of uh, history through the narrative of uh, kings and so on, for them, uh, like the Zulu people here or any other people, they have a strong belief that uh, they were all uh, saints. Commissioner Kareka, I think we're, we're missing you. I don't know what's happening with the line, whether it's the handset. I'll just say, um, according to the uh, colonial history, we were defined in the, into three categories. Yeah, we, we got that part. And, and then you said that, that according came, to uh, at separate times and uh, definitely from separate uh, origins. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, from our mythology, because each society, mostly in Africa, yes. through the uh, historical narrative, we have a belief that uh, we were one from the beginning, and God has uh, defined us as one nation, yeah. but uh, with different roles in the nation, and roles that are complementary. So we believe we came from uh, the God of Rwanda, Gihanga, Okay. Who created three brothers, Gahutu, Gatwa, Gatutsi. Yeah, yeah. But and gave them one language, which is Kinyarwanda. Yeah. And one culture, and they belong to the same blood lineage. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what are the Westerners define as ethnic? For us, it was the roles in society. The Batwa were known for uh, artisanship, even uh, culture perpetuation, like the dance, the pottery, the um, hunting. Yeah. And uh, the Hutu were known for tilling land and producing food. And the Tutsis were known for uh, cattle keeping and producing milk. Uh, which was seen, uh, cattle and milk were seen to be the money of that time. Yeah, yeah. And the king uh, would come from not uh, ethnic per se, but a clan that was shared among Hutu Tutsis and, to, uh, and Toa called Abanyiginya. It was like a family lineage. Okay. But once king, they had to be above the uh, whatever uh, lineage or definition, they became the king for all. And they had to have kettles and milk to give to all nations. We even have an expression that we use in each and every wedding. Uh, we wish to always, uh, the new couple, to have enough milk for Batwa, Bahutu, and Batutsi. Yeah. And to keep their doors open uh, to perpetuate the society of Banyarwanda. Yeah. So we strongly believe that uh, as Banyarwanda, we are stronger, united. As Hutu Tutsi Tua, we tend to divide according to the lines as defined or uh, overemphasized. Yeah by the Westerners, the, the colonial powers. All right, all right. Um, I want us to, to, to do this together, and when I say together, I mean with the, the listeners as we have them there. And by the way, the lines are open, but I'm going to go to the voice notes and some texts that we have there. Let's go to the voice notes first, Phineas. Sure. 
Hello? Yeah, we're, we're going to play a voice note, uh, 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 Your Honor. And, okay, and, and, I will yeah. hear that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Phineas, can we get the voice note? Okay, it seems as though the voice note is 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 is, is still misbehaving. I'm gonna read some texts while the the voice notes are still uh, not coming mm-hmm. through. We can see it's trying to play, but it's just not coming through. But Phineas is gonna work on that. Uh, one text says, "Naya, could the honourable guest briefly talk of what caused the genocide so that we can learn from them, not just the success, but their mistake?" That's M M. Would you like to respond respond to that, honourable commissioner? Uh, sorry, I didn't hear properly. He was asking if you could share with us what, co- what in your understanding caused your genocide, your 94 genocide, and not to learn only from your successes, but your mistakes. Okay, from uh, our mistake, it was a conflict of power. Um, when we kind of uh, established republic from kingdom, so the the people who were given independence or the leadership uh, thought it had to fight the uh, previous uh, rulers, the kings. And they looked at the kings from their origins, so the Nyiginya tribe, and uh, they associated the whole Nyiginya to the Tutsis. So the animosity between uh, Hutus and Tutsis started there. And uh, so it was like conflict of power, who has to rule. Mm. And uh, instead of mobilizing political ideology, then uh, people started really um, absorbing and defining themselves according to the Western lines. And then they said uh, the majority are Hutus, therefore the Tutsis must be sidelined. And definitely the the the, the tour were also marginalized. Uh, so as the time went on, because not every Hutu could be in power, even within the Hutu communities, um, there were also categorization. Hutus for the north, from the north considered as a pure lineage, and the Hutus from the south, where the kingdom was based historically, considered to be like mixed blood were also not very much um, um, integrated. And during genocide, when they were targeting Tutsis, most of the southern uh, Hutus were also sometimes confused or associated either through their mother lineage or uh, any um, suspicion of mixed blood uh, and uh, could also die through the process. So it's a conflict of power mismanagement of uh, the so-called democracy uh, crafted from uh, the waste and uh, dumped uh, into uh, Africa and in particular, in this particular case, into Rwanda. Mm. So it uh, teaches us as well that uh, we can't govern ourselves according to blueprints and uh, in particular blueprint that uh, does not uh, invade our culture. Yeah that does not uh, embed our values, and that has been imported. So by trying to emulate or to implement what we were taught, we, were, we have been failing. That's why today we have our own constitution that is based first on our history, and secondly on uh, the principles on no, of not reversing 
our unity and uh, also making sure that we develop according to homegrown solutions, even though we remain open to learning from other parts of the world that only adopt what works uh, within our society and yeah. not necessarily what is academically or uh, internationally praised as uh, um, best practice. Yeah, yeah. It has to be um, possible and uh, productive in our society. Okay. All right. Um, there is a, a, a writing, France and Genocide, the Murky Truth, which quotes um, uh, the, the Times suggesting that uh, the, one of the causes may have been, or at the very least, the instigators, one of the sparks of the genocide was the killing or the assassination of uh, Juvenal Habyarimana. Uh, how far true would that be? That was, again, uh, Western manipulation uh, because uh, when uh, RPF and uh, led by President Kagame conquered power, it was not pleasant to the Western because he was uh, removing uh, a system that was established by the Westerners. So they had to find a reason to accuse him of something, even to say his own people were killed because he... Um, uh, killed Habyarimana. But as time goes, it has been found, it has been uh, proven that Habyarimana was killed by the uh, radical people from within his own circle because they, the plane was downed in Kigali while the RPF was far north from Kigali. And in Kigali, UN forces, the former, his own regime was there, and the plane was downed uh, when crossing uh, the military camp of uh, his own uh, presidential guards. Okay, all right. All right, uh, I want to read some more. Um, are, are, are the voice notes? Okay, let's try the voice notes again. Let's try the voice notes. Go ahead, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, trying to know what are the relations between the Hutu and the, and the, the, the Tutsis after the incident in and for and then what Rwanda is looking treating America, France and Belgium after the massacres. As you all know, the Belgians were never interested in even in the year when they gave Rwanda the end. Alright, let's try and play that again because we've been seeing a lot of hearing a lot of noises there. Play that again please, Phineas. Uh, Naya, I'm just uh, trying to know what are the relations between the Hutu and the, and the, the, the Tutsis relations. after okay. the incident in '94, and, and then what Rwanda is looking treating America, uh, France, and Belgium after the massacres. As you all know, the Belgians were never interested in even in the year when. They gave a run at Okay. Um, uh, Commissioner? Could not really hear. Uh, what, uh, what's the question asking for? Yeah, what I heard of the question, the first part is asking about the relations between the Hutus and the Tutsis after the 94 genocide. Uh, 
That's the part that I could make out clearly. The second part is about uh, Belgium. Um, and I couldn't make out what exactly he was saying because there's a noise that's uh, disturbing what he's saying there. But the first part is asking about the relations between I them. think they also can ask uh, the relation with uh, the Belgium today. Yeah. I even had uh, like the Americans as well. Yeah, yeah. So, w- okay, among our people, the Hutu Tutsis and Tua, we are reunited and we are happy to be reunited and we have acknowledged that uh, all the time West, Western divisions did not yield any benefit to Hutus or Tutsis or Tua. And we realize through a lot of education campaign. Uh, today we have a permanent institution called the Rwanda Unity and Reconciliation. We also have other subsidiary institutions to that called Itorero. Itorero is uh, the most traditional entity that is like the initiation in some societies in South Africa through which each and every person before they grow had to go through and uh, be taught uh, what is it to be Rwandan? We call it Ndi Umunyarwanda as a principle, meaning I'm um, Munyarwanda, like the Botswana say, Ki Mutswana. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then what does it mean to be Ki Munyarwanda or Ndi uh, Umunyarwanda? Uh, and those values. And uh, it's like mobilization to patriotism. The nation comes first. Uh, before uh, your sub-nation or uh, your subtitle or your uh, so-called uh, ethnic belonging. And uh, we apply them policy-wise and legal-wise by making sure there's no group left out in education, in uh, employment, in uh, economic opportunities of the country. So inclusiveness voices and accountability from the very lowest administrative entity. Uh, we define Rwanda into small entities around uh, 10 houses, then uh, communities that we call village around 100 and more houses, whether it is in the urban or in the rural. So those communities meet every month to do uh, community work and to also support the needy people within their community and to talk about issues that may uh, negatively impact on their community or those that can positively impact on their community and definitely feed the district with ideas on what should be the next plan, the next needs, and so on. So our planning is participatory, and it engages community and definitely the plans are monitored through the same mechanisms by the community uh, through time. So we are a society that works according to performance contract and community engagement and the pact of uh, being one people more than uh, everyone pulling left and right. Our constitution also says we accept to be a multi-party democracy but consensual democracy, not uh, confrontational democracy. Because through confrontations, we saw how society, instead of uh, bonding and pulling together, was over time being divided, 
scattered and definitely uh, poverty growing and uh, disparities and inequalities uh, growing among the people who speak the same language, who share history and culture. But just because they thought um, democracy was whoever um, has uh, won elections ever using the ethnic ban or the corruption, um, uh, the winner takes it all and uh, ignore the rest, including eliminating them or kicking them out of um, the system. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break and come back and take more of your voice notes and read some of your texts. Still taking your calls. Mike, I can see you. Don't worry. We'll take you first before we go to the voice notes and texts. We'll take a break and come back. Hashtag SAFM Headspace. We are honored to have on, on the line the Honorable Vincent Carrega, who's a Rwandan High Commissioner to South Africa, talking to us about the Republic of Rwanda, learning a few lessons from them and, and getting to understand them a little bit. And I say just a little bit because it's less than an hour. We can never know everything about Rwanda in less than an hour. It's a long history lesson. It's a big, big, big volume of textbooks that will get you to understand them. But let's go to the calls first. Let's go to Mike. Mike is in Durban. And then we'll go to the text and some voice notes as well. Mike, good evening. Good evening, Naya and your honored guests. Hmm. I admire Rwanda. Kigali, the capital city, is known as the cleanest city in Africa. In the airport, there's signage, no plastic bags allowed. If someone is caught in the street, they get the equivalent of a 12,000 rand fine with a plastic bag. If a shopkeeper sells one, he goes to jail. Uh, And as far as uh, colonialism, the Germans actually colonized uh, a lot of East Africa and Kigali was one of the countries they colonized and they discovered uh, methane gas way below the, the lake near uh, Gorilla Mountain there's enough gas there to power the whole of Africa uh, fortunately the, the British army moved in and they booted the Germans out of East Africa with the help of the South African Army, with uh, the late General Yanni Smuts commanding the South Africans. Um, the, I believe they are now trying to extract that gas. The Germans left a lot of pipes and machinery there. Okay. We'll have a, a Honorable Karika respond to you. Thank you very much, Mike. They, they can be one of the richest countries in Africa. Can be being the operative word. I hear you. I hear you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your call. Honorable Karika, please write that down. You can respond to it. I want to take another call as well in Port Lisa sure. with Ngonde. Good evening. Pungan. Yes, Doug. Without wasting time, Pungani, I want your guest um, to draw some equivalence or square some circles for me. Will I be right or left if I say Hutus are in the numerical advantage in Rwanda, just like the Zulus here, and then the Tutsis would be maybe slightly below in numbers than the Hutus, like the Tosas maybe, and then the Abatwa would be like the Koyo, the Sen, very small in number. Secondly, are the Tutsis or did the Tutsis at the time, 94, were they dominant in the army, all right? And last but not least, William Jefferson Clinton at the time was the president of America, right? Why 
was that America not so interested in other areas, this geopolitical type of warfare. Why were the Americans not interested? Is it because maybe Rwanda did not have maybe some resources that they needed, right? So that 800 to 1 million people being killed, right? Also, did they really reconcile and not have contrived unity like we did in our DRC? Because those that committed those atrocities during apartheid did not really come out clean and therefore deserve to be um, forgiven, right? And then they are not being prosecuted by the NBA. In Rwanda, it would appear to me that they really kissed and spoke the proverbial pipe. Bungane, a very good evening. All right. Thank you very much, Nanda. Appreciate your call. Honorable Karega? Uh, thank you very much. The first caller uh, was very right. Before we got hand over, handed over to the Belgian, we were colonized by uh, the Germans. And when they lost in the First World War, mm. the colony was handed to UN and then finally to um, uh, to the Belgians. Uh, so the uh, Germans wrote uh, a lot of history, and also how we manage the city and the country and uh, definitely the villages. In Rwanda today, uh, we respect the environment, we ban plastic, and many rules that um, uh, promote sustainable development and inclusiveness. To the second caller, who, uh, uh, if, the, uh, if we define ourselves according to the colonial definition, um, the majority of our people are definitely the farmers, the Hutus, mm. and uh, followed by uh, the cattle keepers, the Tutsis, and uh, uh, a very um, small minority like the Khoisan here, mm-hmm. the Tuas. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's like an economic, uh, uh, not really ethnic uh, strata, but economic strata. Like in all society today, the the rich are always the very few. And uh, historically, we have uh, seen that even to per se, it was not a definition of a uh, blood uh, relation or culture. Mm. It was more to do with uh, wealth, wealth which was defined by cows. Okay. So about um, 10 plus percent of the people uh, had the wealth those days. And uh, the majority had to survive on uh, subsistence agriculture and those were the Hutus. Yeah. And the very few artisans and so on were uh, the Tua. But in the structure of today, we don't look at politics as uh, who are the many because uh, we are all... Uh, speaking the same language and the same culture, yeah. and we are in an economy of uh, education, industry, service, uh, and so on. So it's no longer who has the cattle, it's probably who has the money, who has uh, the company, and uh, uh, who has the knowledge. Okay. Uh, so uh, politically, the political parties are all-inclusive. We don't allow any political party along ethnic line or religious line. Ah. So we, all parties must be gender sensitive yeah. and uh, ethnic inclusive. Yeah. And the spirit <laughs> of uh, Rwanda must prevail on those small definitions. Okay. Because historically, we were so much divided by yeah. those ones. So we don't even use this terminology anymore in Rwanda because they were in identity cards. Today we say... Uh, Rwandan from province so and so. Okay. Born okay. in Kigali. Yeah, yeah. Nationality Rwandan. Yeah. And gender male or female. Yeah. So that at work or wherever you go, 
people will not say, by the way, what are you? Yeah, yeah. You are Rwandan. That's yeah. No more Hutu, yeah. no more Hututsi, no more Twa. I like that. No, like he doesn't uh, bear any value. Some yeah, uh, yeah. Westerners think we have abandoned our identity. Uh, identity, but yeah. uh, there's, uh, identity comes with culture and language. Yeah. So we have all the same culture okay. and the same language. Yeah, so yeah. we don't see what we have uh, missed. Uh, we actually have uh, rebuilt a strong, um, uh, a strong values oh, of uh, patriotism and yeah. unity. Yeah. Uh, and we work all together in parliament, in business, in government, uh, and so on. Now we look at gender disparities and uh, uh, things like that, uh, yeah. rural, urban, and uh, rich, poor, yeah. rather than uh, ethnic and so on. All right, hold the thought, hold the thought. I want to play one voice note, and then we'll go to the break, and then come back, you can have the response there. Phineas, go ahead. Not yet. Uh, I just read quite a lot of books, more especially the African ones, where they said the poor people uh, originally comes from Egypt. And if you look at the the pyramids, they always have to, you don't, the pyramids where the sculptures, they don't show the whole body. It's always a uh, from the top until before half it doesn't show the whole from top to the bottom you know it's just only the half of the body so it shows that uh, those uh, sculptures are are made by the the poor people before the the egyptian the one that we're talking about now because they said the the Twa people are original people from the Egypt. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, um, we'll play that again so that we can have a clear response. We'll play that voice note again when we come back from the break and I'll give you a response. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. All right, let's play that voice note again and, and we'll have the Honorable Karika respond to it. Not yet. Uh, I just read quite a lot of books, more especially the African ones, where they said the poor people uh, originally comes from Egypt. And if you look at the the pyramids, they always have to, you don't, the pyramids where the sculptures, they don't show the whole body. It's always a uh, from the top until before half it doesn't show the whole from top to the bottom you know it's just only the half of the body so it shows that uh, those uh, sculptures are are made by the the poor people before the the egyptian the one that we're talking about now because they said the the Twa people are original people from the Egypt. Okay. Um, Honorable Karega? Yes. Okay. Um, those are um, history of migrations and so on. We really can be true or not. We don't pay too much attention to that. Yeah. We uh, pay attention to our mythology. Yeah. Where we believe we were all um, sent by our God to be together as brothers mm. from uh, day one. And that's what uh, uh, underpin our unity. Yeah. Uh, then I've been asked questions about uh, 
Belgium, America, how do we live uh, today after we were abandoned or divided? So our international relations believe that Rwanda must be connected to to the world, to global, and uh, our the enemies of the past are not necessarily enemies today. But what we make sure is that Rwanda is governed by Rwandans. Yeah. Uh, so we can work with any other country for trade uh, as long as there's mutual respect and uh, mutual interest. So we collaborate, we partner with uh, Belgium, European Union, and America. Yeah. He also said America did not intervene because we didn't have uh, a lot of resources. In most cases, we see them interested in petrol and minerals. Uh, probably true, but also the geopolitics. That was an area that was very much kind of hijacked in those days of uh, 80s and 90s by France. Yeah even though it was colonized by Belgium. So sometimes if you look at how this uh, superpower behave in Africa, where France is busy, America does not uh, temper, because when America is also busy somewhere else, they get the solidarity of France and so on. So they kind of left uh, France to manage the international interests, yet France those days was so close to the... uh, uh, the genocidal regime because it was uh, um, promi- um, uh, speaking French. Yeah. Uh, it made Rwanda a francophone country. And they were fearing that uh, the rebels who were coming from East Africa, Uganda, and so on, led by Kagame, were going to turn Rwanda into an anglophone country. So they ignored our own struggle to regain to be part of the country, but looked at uh, their um, linguistic influence. So it became like Anglo-Saxon against uh, Francophone, yet it was uh, Rwandans uh, against Rwandans or uh, for uh, reunited Rwanda. So it's quite complex. I hear you. To understand. Yeah. Yeah, just hold the thought. I want to play some more voice notes there for you, as many as you can squash in. Go ahead, Phineas. Yeah, this is Terry in Cape Town. Yes, Terry. Wonderful hearing from uh, uh, the ambassador, Karega. But uh, please, Nay, could you ask him um, what was the role of Rwanda in the DRC war that lasted for very, very long and also in plundering the resources in Congo? Is there any official apology from the Rwandan government to the DRC people? All right. Honorable Kareka? Thank you very much. Uh, Rwanda played a role alongside uh, Uganda, Angola, Burundi in uh, removing Mobutu, uh, who was uh, really mismanaging DRC and who has created a safe heaven for those who committed genocide in Rwanda, helped by France. So the interest of Rwanda those days was to to, uh, bring to book those genocidals and to return the million refugees that those uh, genocides have kept captive in DRC. So it could not work through dialogue with Mobutu who resisted and who was a protege of France. Therefore, we had to uh, work with uh, the rebel who was um, uh, old Kabila to get him out. Mm. And the whole Africa, including South Africa, supported 
that move. Then uh, when uh, Kabila got into power, he did not honor the commitment to now help us return uh, those uh, genocidaires. Actually, he recruited them and uh, involved them into probably threatening Rwanda again, uh, definitely manipulated by the West. Things we cannot prove, but the turnaround was very worrisome. Mm. So we ended up entering into war for our security with that country. Mm. But the international community accused us to undermine us again for plundering resources. I remember uh, this case going into uh, the international court and Rwanda was clean of not plundering any resource and some countries were charged fine for uh, what they've plundered. So you can read, uh, I'm a diplomat, I cannot name countries, <laughs> course, but Rwanda was course. never named <laughs> yeah. for plundering any resources. Yeah. And if you look at uh, the structure of those so-called resources, you need to invest a lot of money to mine the resources that are in DRC. We don't have that technology, especially in the early 90s. Yeah. And there's no single mine today in DRC that you can say this is occupied or exploited uh, by Rwanda. It was just NGOs, international campaign to undermine mm. the leadership that uh, overthrown Mobutu, a protege, and also overthrown Habyarimana, another yeah. protege. So it's another... Uh, campaign, negative campaign from the, uh, how can I say, from, from the West. The issue of Congo, which uh, all Africans need to work with, Congolese, has been governance since the 60s, yeah. also undermined by those same powers. That, uh, in uh, real Honourable sense. Commissioner, please forgive me. I need to end our conversation on this note. My time is totally up. It's 11 o'clock now. I have to hand over sure, to the news. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Commissioner. We really appreciate your time. Perhaps we could invite you and come to talk to us about the genocide specifically, if you permit. Thank you very much. Well, thank very kind. All right. Thank you very much. That was the Honorable Commissioner. It's 11 o'clock. It's a minute now after 11. It's time for us now to hand over to the news. The final bulletin for today with Zolega Kodash.